Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergott, Chief Experience Officer at the CX Edge. Today, I'm so excited to have Ginger McPeak with us. Ginger is Vice President of Ethium by eControls, and I always love interviewing another professional woman in material handling because we don't see enough of them out there. Uh, so welcome, Ginger. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Good. Yeah, I, I'm excited about this one. We're going to kind of preface the conversation around culture, and I know you've done a lot of work in that area. Um, so before we get into it, I always like to give the listeners just a little bit of, of your background and kind of the company you work for. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more just about Ethium by eControls and maybe a little story of how you got started in this space. Okay, so Ethium by eControls is um, a division of eControls and eControls was started in 1994. It's a private company uh, led by uh, an entrepreneur, uh, PhD entrepreneur. And so since 1994, we've been building uh, controllers and fuel systems for industrialized engines. So most of your IC forklifts out there today have um, already have eControls products on them. It's one of the markets that we've served for a really long time. Um, and it's uh, a very engineering-led company and grew from scratch. Um, and there are multiple divisions of the company. Um, we have FW Murphy, which is not associated necessarily with this particular market space. And then eControls and now Ethium as another business unit. Um, and Ethium was born out of eControls and um, developed from scratch because, uh, like I said, there's a lot of products from eControls on all of the IC forklifts. And I think we all know that um, you know, a lot of those IC forklifts are getting replaced by electric and then obviously electric, um, the lead acid batteries are getting replaced by lithium in a lot of cases. So this development started around 2016 uh, for Ethium as far as the product goes. And then um, we launched it in production in small quantities in some of the uh, form factors in 2020. And most of you uh, probably met or heard of us starting around 2021. So. Uh, my background is that uh, I've been part of the company in various roles uh, for 18 years, my 18th year. Um, and there was a little diversion in there where they sold off a division of the company to a public company. And I was went off with it um, and was the president of that for five years and then rejoined the private company and the owners in 2021 to help uh, commercialize and stand up the uh, business unit of Ethium. So, that was the first time I was in the material handling space. So I'm very young in it compared to everyone else because, you know, how I figured this is kind of like Hotel California, as far as I can tell. Once people get in this industry, they never leave. Yes, I haven't met very many people that have left successfully. So I, I think, <laughs> and I'm, you know, similar where I kind of got in this industry haphazardly, um, have had many opportunities to leave, but never have because I, I really love it. So yeah. that's a great story and that's a nice tenure with, especially with the startup company. Um, you don't hear that that often. So very cool. I like to call Ethium an incubated startup, right? Because, and that's one of the things about Ethium that is really unique in the in this space and in um, the lithium battery space is that we, you know, look like a startup, but we're incubated by this larger, you know, company that's been around for a very long time and has a lot of tenure um and financially very stable that's a good space to be in very cool 
Um, so as I said in the intro, we're going to kind of preface this conversation around culture. So I'd like to start just with how you would define what workplace culture is. Well, it, it's complicated. So probably I'll continue defining it throughout this uh, interview, I hope. But, you know, to me, culture is the DNA of, of the company and it's what people feel whenever they are around people who work for the company or are um, associated with anything to do with it. And so I believe it is very intrinsic and it uh, should emanate in all things that you do and that people recognize it because of the feeling that they get, not, not necessarily the words, much like what we've been taught that people remember how you made them feel versus what you said. Um, I think culture is a lot like that for both internal people and people who um, interact with the company externally. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I love you defining it as the DNA of a company, because I think, you know, a lot of people look at culture and say it's a, a statement and just tell people this is who we are. But unless, to your point, that people really feel that and really believe it you know, then it really isn't a part of your culture. So I think that's a fantastic definition. I'll be honest with you, I might steal it at some point in the future. For <laughs> no LinkedIn problem. Books. No problem. Um, now, why do you think culture matters so much to organizations? Because we really didn't talk about culture, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So why do you think it matters so much today? Well, you know, that tenure with this company of 18 years is a long time. So um, I've been very fortunate to be a part of an organization and owners that really have always um, had a lot of emphasis on the core values and on integrity and therefore that ends up creating a culture, right? We got much more intentional about it, certainly um, as we rolled out new core values back around 2015-ish. And, um, you know, so I think that the core values very much drive that and um, and living in integrity and leading by example. So, you know, no one's ever going to be perfect. Everyone's always going to have some Google review or a glass door, you know, comment that we don't love. Um, but I think the, the point is to continue to behave in the way that you have said you're going to and uh, do what you say you're going to do. And people eventually um, realize that they can depend on that. I totally agree. So kind of shifting, staying in the culture topic, I wanted to talk a little bit about hiring. And I think this is a, a, a point of conflict a lot of organizations have internally, especially in the job market today. A lot of companies are hiring for large numbers of people, having trouble finding these qualified candidates. And then sometimes it's when you do finally find that one, and it seems to work out, then that's a person you're gonna hire because technically they're qualified from a technical perspective of the job. So how do you get a balance the difference of hiring for technical acumen that they know what they're doing for the, for the position you're hiring for, but that they also kind of fit into the cultural element of your company? Yeah, that's really hard. And it depends, I think, on the level of position that you're hiring for on how deep you can go with that. Um, if you start, you know, from my perspective, it's a lot more around the um, professional side of things and engineering and applications and things like that. So uh, we do a very unorthodox interviewing process. 
um, one in which you may meet with individuals or you may meet with two or three people together. And after that line of questioning for that one, so let's say you started at 8.30 and your next interview, next group or person is at 9 or 9.15, then there's a break in there where the first set of interviewers speak to the next set to say, hey, this is what I noticed. This is something that was really good. You might want to poke on that. This is something that gave me a little pause. Perhaps you could dig in on that a little differently. And by the end of the day, you know, five or six meetings later, any of the things that were brought up as possible, um, you know, things that maybe weren't aligning or that we wanted to know more about, you now have five, six, seven, eight perspectives on that thing. Mm -hmm. So you can really have some great discussions about that. And usually it comes out a trend of a lack of humility or a trend of, um, you know, really uh, struggles in articulating or whatever the situation might be. And also on the positive side. So um, that's one method that we try to use. And um, we're also not afraid to bite people back multiple times, right? And uh, I personally love to make my interview with someone uh, in an unorthodox space. I'm like, okay, let's meet at this restaurant at 4.30 and I will promptly order us both a drink or whatever, right? And just to see how people interact in different scenarios, because that's, especially in this industry, we're going to expect people to be able to move from, you know, very different um, environments and be able to um, think quickly to uh, adjust to that. Yeah, I think it's such an interesting approach. I love the idea of getting multiple people's perspectives because you're right. I mean, everybody sort of picks up something different just in, in terms of what they're in tune to. And I think the fact that you do them all in that first one you described on the same day is really important because just even from a time perspective of the candidate, but kind of getting that feedback all right in a row you know, without a lot of marination in between, I think probably leads to a more authentic experience for both the candidate and the company. Yeah, um, for, sure. for sure. And I would love to go on an interview at a bar. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I think that's well, I, mean, I realize that sometimes it may not be, but I think it just, you know, I like seeing people in a setting that's a little more casual and a little more open because I think that you know, preparation and when people are like ready for all the questions and then you kind of change it up on them, you, you may get a check into the authenticity of their answers or of them as a person and just the general fit, right? I mean, the fact is you have to have a good fit with the other people and generally an organization has a bit of a personality and, um, you know, you want everyone to be happy in the scenario, right? You want the candidate who's taking a risk on moving jobs to be happy and and we want uh, everyone else to be happy as well. So on to the interview, another aspect of that, there's, I'm sure you've heard of Patrick Lencioni. He's a really great author and has lots of great books, but he has a book called The Ideal Team Player. And it actually has an interview guide. If you, if you Google Ideal Team Player Interview Guide, it's literally a PDF, three pages long. And the concept is called uh, Ideal Team Player, but it's hungry, humble, and smart. And there are concentric circles, you know, that overlap and you want someone to be hungry, ready to work, very much looking for 
um, ways to improve all those things. Uh, humble, somebody who can admit when they're wrong or somebody who can compliment others without it being you know, a problem or without it making them feel awkward. And then smart is more of an EQ, an emotional quotient, not necessarily an intellect score, but more of a, do you know how to operate in different environments and in different settings? And so in our environment, our core values are such that we love vigorous debate. So if you're not used to that and we don't talk about that, you might think that we're fighting, but right. we're not, we're just discussing and everyone is passionate. And so um, we have vigorous debate and then we um, come to a conclusion and then we rally around that conclusion and support it. And so if people aren't used to that environment, you know, that can be really unnerving or surprising. Yeah, yeah. I think being as upfront as possible and kind of picking up on those little intrinsic things in your organization to be able to explain to a candidate is so important. And I don't hear that very often in people I talk to. So that's excellent. Now, I, and I love the fact you brought up that book. I, I have actually read that book. It, it's a very good, if anybody hasn't, um, you're looking for a good plain read, that's definitely a good one. Um, so how do you train your managers to hire on culture and not just technical ability? Because I think it's, it's often much easier to hire somebody for their technical ability to fulfill the job requirements. But hiring on culture is a much different skill set that I don't know is organic to a lot of people. So how do you go about that process? I think that, you know, we would be super mis informed if we think that if even if I say yeah we're really great at that right I mean it's an ongoing process to to do this right a lot of it is experience a lot of it is you know having remembered that oh, I had that feeling when we interviewed this person and we hired them anyway and it didn't work out right and the cost associated with that to the organization and even the opportunity cost or the time that was spent in that and so you know usually um especially because our processes and the ones that I like to drive are a little unorthodox. I will, I will usually have a preparation meeting for all the interviewees or interviewers, the people who are interviewing from our company and just explain, this is the role, this is what we're looking for. Here are some things that are imperative. Um, please make sure that you speak to each other in between you know, the interviews and I'll just remind them of the process, you know, and ask if they have questions about the role. Cause a lot of times we might be hiring for a role that is, you know, we're inter having someone interview them that's completely in a different area of the plant or of the company, but we want their perspective and they may not have a close understanding of what this job or role or responsibilities might be. So I think adequate preparation and really having this quick, you know, 20, 30 minute meeting to just say, here's what we're hiring for, here's why, here's where they'll be in the organization, this is what we're looking for, um, really helps to guide the conversations. And then checking in in between the interviews is a really yeah. important part of the process. Yeah, I think it's an, an evolving process that really never ends. I mean, I think you learn something new in every hiring that you do about how to do a better job next time. So I think that's, that's a great strategy. Do you have any specific strategies that you look to from a recruiting perspective, maybe to find people that are going to be that cultural fit for your organization? You know, uh, that's hard and it's gotten harder, right? In the last several years, as the world has, you know, changed completely on all of us, 
you know, um, I lean heavily on, you know, people that I've met or know or referrals, right? Reaching out to people that, you know, in the industry or outside the industry, um, certainly posting things on, on, you know, sites like LinkedIn or others where, you know, people are following your company because they're interested in that. Um, and then we do a lot. We have a very, very intense inter, uh, intern program that is very, um, re we recruit for it year round. Um, we have them all come in. They all get set up with test equipment and a mentor and assignments or projects. And um, that's a really great way to find new talent. And then, you know, they've had some experience within the company and they know what you're all about and you get to kind of, you know, try before you buy. And so, uh, in fact, we have a new intern group coming in in a week or two, and I'm actually doing um, a seminar with them on the Ideal Team Player book. So they have an assignment to read up through page 100 before they get here. So we will see right away if they <laughs> did what they were supposed to do, right? Um, but I think it'll be a really neat opportunity to, to really fold in culture and interviewing. And even if, uh, you know, these interns aren't ready to graduate yet, it should be a really good set of information to send them back to school with. Yeah, I mean, I think internship programs can be invaluable to both the organization and the person who goes through it. Um, and it builds that pipeline of talent. And not all of them are going to stay with your company, but a lot of times a few of them do. And to your point, those are people that already understand the culture to a certain degree, you know, and have accepted it and like it and want to be a part of it. So I think those type of programs are great. How many interns do you have in, in your program? I should know the answer to that on this year, but <laughs> you know, it's generally between 15 and 20, sometimes a little okay. more, sometimes a little less. I think this year's uh, group is around 18, um, but I That's would have to check. <laughs> yeah, we, it's, a, it's a big group. Uh, that's that's an awesome program. Um, you know, we talked a lot about culture and how it affects your company, but how do you really communicate that culture amongst all of the employees? So um, one, our core values that I mentioned, we have a set of core values that are um, very, very important to us. They're very um, written with a lot of words that are mean very specific things to us. And we open every meeting, internal or external, with a slide that has our core values on them. Um, in addition to that, we celebrate each month people who have exhibited the core values. So in our monthly meeting that is company-wide, um, where the CEO speaks, we, he, he talks about all the people that, were, um, that we, as a management team, have brought forward to say, you know, we want to recognize this person for exhibiting our core values. Um, and then when external people come in, again, we start those meetings with a slide about the core values. And, you know, again, even if you have people who don't know you or it's maybe a customer or a supplier and they see that, they may be skeptical, like, really, do they really act like that? Uh, and then when they deal with you and you do act like that, it just reinforces that. And, you know, and it, it certainly allows other people to know what to call you on, right? Like, hey, you said you were mm -hmm. this, this kind of company. Um, we haven't had that. That's not something that uh, I feel like happens very often, but we have a lot of conversations around core values. So the core values kind of drive the, the, the engagement to the culture 
and is our common language that we can use to remind people about who we are and uh, why we operate the way that we do. Yeah, and showing them, you know, I think, and I, I've, I've worked with a lot of companies that have core values and they have them on a poster and some of them show them in the beginning of every meeting, but it's just shown and it's never really discussed. I think the fact that you're having those long-term discussions about it, you're highlighting people that have really reflected it, really goes back to the accountability and the really embedding it within the organization. So those are really great um, tips of just how if people really want to embrace culture and what that means, some of the things that they can do. That, yeah, that's great. Yeah, the recognition part of it really helps because people, you know, feel like, okay, this is real because I, I know that that person who works right next to me on the production line just got recognized for, you know, something where they questioned everything, which is one of our core values, or that, you know, it's just a, it's a great reinforcement for people to hear on a monthly basis. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Sorry, I hope you didn't hear my dog barking in the back. <laughs> that's all right. It's thundering here. <laughs> um, so I'm going to end on this one. Um, you know, how important do you think employee engagement is to your company's culture? It's, it's very, very important, and it's very, very difficult, especially in the last few years, like it has been for everyone, right? I mean, you know, we're constantly having conversations about what can we do to get people to be engaged, um, you, know, uh, you know, a survey where people are allowed to give their feedback and actually write something in, we, we do that. Um, we try to have some fun things, you know, food truck day or and, you know, we're based in San Antonio, Texas, and it was just Fiesta there. And so there was a there was a food truck and, you know, uh, treats for that. And so, you know, and just, you know, recognizing and appreciating and having fun together, because the reality is we're at work a lot of hours, really, compared to what maybe we are without, you know, in our homes or whatever. And so having a good time and being able to have some personal personalization of that really helps in conflict, right? Because we remember, okay, we may not agree, but I like this person. So I need to like figure out where they're trying to come from. And that's another part of it. I mean, I, I think we believe very much in, you know, spending time together, you know, have a meal together, have a dinner, you know, have a discussion um, so that, you know, you never, sometimes it's very easy. We're running so fast. It's very easy to forget that other people are real persons who have you know things in their life that you may not remember is uh, a part of their life whether that's really great things or things that are a struggle for them and so sometimes it helps you put things in context and and also it just helps build on that trust so that when we do mess up which i do a lot that we can come and say hey i'm really sorry i messed that up and uh, this is what i'm doing about it and you know next time call me on it so I think that's part of the humility part of the ideal team player part thing that we talked about is just, you know, being able to acknowledge um, when you're wrong and then, you know, other people will feel more comfortable being wrong more often, which sometimes is what the speed yeah. of invention is about. I could not agree more. I think that's a great place um, to end this part. So thank you for sharing that. So Ginger, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Mahita Talks podcast. 
Um, but at the end of them, we do a lightning round to allow us to get to know you a little bit better. So I have 10 questions I'm going to ask you. I try to make these as easy as possible, um, but they might get progressively more challenging as we go through it. Are you ready? There's not a prize, but making it through is the prize in and of itself. So are you ready to enter the Mahita Talks lightning round? I am. All right. We'll start with the easy one. What is your favorite activity during the day? Favorite activity during the day. I love when we are in a conversation about a new process or a, something or a problem and everyone is throwing in on it and we come up with like an idea and it's like that won't work because of this. And at the end of the meeting, there's an idea that was a combination of all people's inputs that end up being way better than uh, than the first idea we might have had, which I'm sure seems very layup, but I, it is really pretty. Cool. <laughs> no, it is. I, I I love that answer. Layup Can still any- two points, if you recall. <laughs> <laughs> Can any of your friends unlock your phone? Oh yes. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Oh gosh. I oof. um that's really that's a really hard one because I feel like that when I have gotten really bad advice, I try to get away from that sort. <laughs> so I think that it. <laughs> Um, I think I like because when I've gotten bad advice, then I just do the opposite, and I realize yeah. that that's yeah. a good advice. Yeah, I think oh. I think that uh, one of the things I struggle with certainly uh, as part of the public company situation was just the the focus on um, each quarter and you know the monetary focus, where I much prefer focusing on the long term and the health of the organization, and I think that will take care of itself. So, yeah, I agree. Would you prefer a beachside resort or a hillside cottage? I almost said beach before you finished your sentence because that's how emphatic I am. I love, love the water. <laughs> Definitely beach. I agree. What were you afraid of as a child? Oof, not very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of uh, those that was a problem for my parents. Um, what was I afraid of as a child? Um, I mean, I... Uh, my big brothers, they kind of beat me up a lot. So I would say probably I was scared of them. That's fair. What is your go-to lazy dinner? <laughs> Nachos. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, ranches, lots of cheese, jalapenos. <laughs> also my yeah. meal when I come from an international trip, you know, when you get home from an international trip and you're like, I just want to eat right. something. <laughs> Mine is like homemade nachos, for sure. You can't go wrong with that. What is one thing you regret spending money on? Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. One thing I regret spending money on. I, I bought some real estate uh, a few years ago, and, um, you know, and it was like a rental, like trailer rentals, and it was pretty difficult and i ended up selling the land um and i did okay on that but it was just not quite you know not (laughs) quite what i thought i was getting into 
So I'm in the Midwest right now. I know you're in, um, you said Oklahoma City. I think it's raining there today. We're in the rainy season, definitely in the Midwest. Um, what is your favorite rainy day activity when you have to stay indoors? Oh man, you know, I think that really has evolved with COVID because COVID made us all, like I am not a sedentary person. I like to do lots of activities, outdoor activities, um, you know, sports, whatever. And I actually had friends and I'm sure you did too, that did puzzles through COVID, right? Like puzzles was like the next thing. I hated puzzles. Like I was like, I am out. And so now I, I can actually sit and work on a puzzle for a while. So I would guess I'd say that, or, um, similarly, my son is very much into Lego. So, um, I become his sub assembler for him to actually put it on there. So, What is one thing, and maybe it's puzzles, what is one thing you wish you enjoyed more? Something that everybody else enjoys and you just don't. Uh, I wish I enjoyed uh, being alone and just like chilling more. Like I can do it, but um, only when I'm like really run down, I'm like, okay, I got to take a break. And, you know, otherwise (laughs) I really want to be involved in something active and with other people. And so I'm trying to work on being able to just be still longer and better <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> would you rather i think i might know the answer to this just in our conversation today but would you rather give a speech or write a paper oh way rather give a speech than write a paper <laughs> thank goodness you didn't make me write this we would we would <laughs> Well, Jitta, you made it through the lightning round, so you achieved that today. You can call today a win. Um, Thank you so much for being on our podcast. I think it was a really good discussion around culture. Um, I definitely have a few takeaways, and I I know our listeners will too. Do you have any um, parting words you just want to leave the Mahita community with? I just want to thank you and Mahita in general. Mahita is such a great organization for the industry. It was one of the first when I started in this industry was July of 2021. And I went to the Austin uh, meeting with Mahita, you know, that had been of COVID. So it was so, uh, you know, I knew nothing, like nothing. And it was just awesome. Everyone was so welcoming. And, you know, some of the very first relationships in this industry were made through Mahita and um, it's just such a great organization, and I would recommend it to anyone who, you know, is coming into the organ into the uh, industry or otherwise. It's just uh, they, I think that they do a great job of trying to, um, you know, be an organization that enhances the whole industry. I cannot agree more, and I think that's a perfect place to end our conversation today. So thank you again, Ginger. I've been your host, Sherry Altergott. We'll see you next time on Mahita Talks.